Call from mom. Answer it. Call silenced. Instacart knows nothing gets between you and the game. That's why they make ordering from your couch easy. Stock up today and get all your groceries for the week delivered in as fast as 30 minutes without missing a minute of the game. You have 47 new voicemails. Download the app to get free delivery on your first three orders while supplies last. Minimum $10 per order. Additional terms apply. I'm Sandra, and I'm just the professional your small business was looking for. But you didn't hire me because you didn't use LinkedIn Jobs. LinkedIn has professionals you can't find anywhere else, including those who aren't actively looking for a new job but might be open to the perfect role, like me. In a given month, over 70% of LinkedIn users don't visit other leading job sites. So if you're not looking on LinkedIn, you'll miss out on great candidates like Sandra. Start hiring professionals like a professional. Post your free job on linkedin.com slash recommend today. In a week where so much has happened, one man stands alone, poised to tackle it all and take your calls. Armed with just his wit and a stack of stats, he embarks on a quest that will require four hours of intense concentration, telephonic communication, and the mockery of jockery. This is The Robin Lundberg Show. And it's coming to you live from the Rocket Mortgage Studios. Want to see your loan options, adjust payments, and closing costs online in real time? Rocket can. Hall of Fame class, NBA, legendary generational I mean, it's technically the basketball hall of fame right but it is a an all-time great class and of course uh it's from 2020 and being enshrined w- with the 2021 class and um the late great kobe bryant headlines and i don't have anything new or or um inventive to say about kobe i, I think you know, his death affected me more than the death of anyone I, I didn't know before when that happened. And I think it was a jarring thing to a lot of people, obviously. And you saw the outpouring of support since then. And, and there's been so many um, nice things said, uh, so many different testimonials and all that. I mean, we, we all know how we feel uh, about Kobe. And, and I think, uh, of course, his death, like I said, you know, it, it resonated for, for so many reasons. One... He was just a part of my life for so long, you know. Um, his his timeline in the NBA, his age, aligned with me, uh, and I've talked basketball my whole life. And Kobe Bryant was a part of every argument or every conversation for for so long. Uh, there was the the tragedy of it in the sense of you know also his daughter. Uh, Gigi and, and everyone else on there and just let you know like you know life is not promised and you you, you want to hang out with your kids after that something like that right and then there was the indestructible nature of it like he, he felt indestructible and for you know you, you see you know if Kobe can go anybody can go but of course you, you wind up talking about his career and and Kobe Bryant one of the most if not the most or the best difficult shot maker of all time, a, a hell of a competitor, uh, a, a guy who, you know, patterned his game in many ways after Michael Jordan and got as close as you could possibly be to being Michael Jordan it, it, on the the basketball court uh, with his own 
you know, style that he developed over the years, of course, playing with, with Shaq at the beginning and then winning titles without Shaq with Gasol and, and those teams. And Michael Jordan appropriately will present Kobe Bryant at his Hall of Fame induction. I'm sure that will be emotional. Um, but I, I don't have, you know, too much new to add uh, on, on Kobe Bryant because there's just been so much said, rightfully so, uh, about Kobe in, in the last you know, since his since his death, since his tragic death. Um, there are a couple other greats getting into the Hall of Fame, though. And one of them is, is Kevin Garnett, who, you know, circumstances play such a huge role in life, in sports as well. Um, when you, you talk about Kevin Garnett, I mean, look at Kobe. Kobe, what if he was drafted by the Hornets and stayed there, wasn't traded to the Lakers, didn't play with Shaq at the beginning of his career? How would his career have gone? And I'm about to talk about Tim Duncan, but Tim Duncan was was fortunate when it came to circumstances. You know, he, the David Robinson gets hurt. David Robinson gets hurt, and as a result, the Spurs are bad enough where they can draft Tim Duncan. So he comes right in. Robinson's back. He's playing with a Hall of Famer immediately, and Greg Popovich, and the rest is history. Kevin Garnett's situation wasn't the same. He was in Minnesota for a long time without much talent around him. And what if Kevin Garnett had not spent the the bulk of his career there? What if, you know, he had been tr- traded to a better situation earlier or was drafted into a better situation because he goes to Boston and and wins a title, almost wins another one, goes to game 7 in, in uh, another one. KG in many ways was a player who was ahead of his time, a big who could face up the basket, you know, shoot from the outside. He'd be shooting threes now, no question, if he was playing in today's game. You know, threes at a, a much higher clip than he he barely took any in his career, but I, I'd be shocked if he wasn't taking threes if he was playing in the NBA today. But how would he be viewed if he didn't play with the Timberwolves for as long as he did? I mean, he's still viewed as an, you know, an all-time great player, but I wonder if he would be even in another light if that that was the circumstances uh, of his career or if they were different. But to Tim Duncan, the other night, Doc Rivers said that Duncan is the most underrated superstar in NBA history. And I don't know if that's necessarily true. I think there might be a distinction between underrated and under-discussed. I think Tim Duncan is under-discussed, and there are several reasons for that. But when you just talk about the career the guy had, he's a five-time NBA champion, three-time NBA Finals MVP, two-time NBA MVP, 15-time All-Star, 15-time All-NBA, 15-time NBA All-Defensive Team. Think about that, 15 times All-NBA. That's wild. That's wild. Five-time champ. I mean, Kobe, five-time champ, right? I mean, that's one off of of the, the, the Jordan mark that is so hallowed and in, in how it's discussed. And Duncan, you know, evolved over time as well. I mean, he came in, and it was that Twin Towers lineup with David Robinson. That's how they went at the beginning. And, in, and they played a style of basketball that is foreign almost now. You know, that that team was the starting five for that team. I think it was Avery Johnson, Mario Ellie, Sean Elliott, 
Robinson and Duncan. But so big up front, everything was played inside the, the three-point line, essentially. Not much shooting there. Well, that evolved as the game evolved, and so did Duncan, and, and succeeded with Parker and Ginobili, right? You know, the Spurs eventually had what I would call a super team. I mean, really, if you think about it, when they had Parker and Ginobili may have been, and Duncan may have been just outside their prime, Kawhi Leonard may have been just entering his prime, but nevertheless, when you have Kawhi, Duncan, Parker, Ginobili, you kind of got a super team. But Duncan was the, the cog in that machine that kept it going, that was consistent. And look, there was real arguments about Tim Duncan or Kobe Bryant at that time. Like, who, who was the better player? It's hard to argue those two against one another because they're such different, you know, approaches to the game, such different positions. But there was also Shaq versus Duncan arguments. And I think Shaq versus Duncan is, you know, a a real conversation in the sense that, to me, I would take Shaq at his peak. You know, Shaq at his peak was just so dominant, almost nobody could deal with him. But over career value, you could certainly make the case for Duncan over Shaq when it comes to career value, consistency, over the long haul. And head-to-head, they had battles that was not like a, um, a wash either way. The Spurs and the Lakers had classic games. I mean, those two teams were were great teams, and they would go at it on like an annual basis. But Tim Duncan is not really, you know, talked about like those guys. We talk about Kobe Bryant all the time, Uh, even before, obviously, the the tragedy. We talk about Shaquille O'Neal all the time. Duncan, even when he was playing, you know, sometimes he'd be brought into those conversations quickly, but then you, you sort of move on to the next thing. And since he retired, I mean, you see him on the, you saw him on the bench when he was coaching and, and everything like that, but he, he hasn't been a part of, he, he's not like constantly involved in these car conversations or these arguments. In fact, a lot of people like to just say, he's the best power forward of all time and leave it at that. And to me, that's like a convenient way to just stop a conversation. You know, Steph Curry is is oftentimes referred to as the greatest shooter of all time because he is. But I always feel like that's also a a nice way to just end the conversation and put him in a box somewhere because Steph Curry is more than the greatest shooter of all time, right? He's one of the greatest players of all time now. And he belongs in any of those conversations when you're ranking guys all time, not just in a subcategory of shooting. And Tim Duncan, same thing. You know, Tim Duncan... I guess he's a power forward. He's a power forward because he was drafted on a team that had David Robinson and in a different era of basketball. But he clearly became a center and was always really a center as far as like his natural stature and where he, you know, but he was a big man. And when we're talking head to head with Shaq, you're talking center, right? Like it's not, it's not really a, uh, a power forward. I, I don't, so I always thought that was just a way to say, oh, Tim Duncan's the greatest power forward of all time. Let's put him in that box and let's move on. But he's just not polarizing is really what it is. People tend to just not have a strong feeling about Tim Duncan. He's not a guy that said a lot. He complained a lot on the court. <laughs> but not a guy that said too much. Not a guy you know you think of for sound bites. His game was never flashy. I mean, it's why Shaq has dubbed him 
or did dub him the big fundamental, right? I mean, if, if I'm, I'm trying to think of things that you would teach that Tim Duncan did. You know, we're always talking about step-back threes and, and crossovers and, and, and stuff like that, or, or thunderous dunks. That wasn't Duncan. Duncan, to me, there's two things that, that stand out. Like, I could say, all right, you could emulate that, that, that bank shot that he had. Nobody really uses the glass like that anymore. He had his mid-range bank shot. And the fact that he never brought the ball down. Here's a small one. Like, he never brought the ball down when he was rebounding. You watch Tim Duncan. Watch Tim Duncan tape, Tim Duncan highlights. Grabs a rebound. He keeps the ball up high. Doesn't bring it down. Doesn't let the guards and anybody get their hands on it. And that's like talk about a fundamental thing, right? What do they teach you when you're young? How to use the glass. How to how to, you know, not bring the ball down so that the little little guys can't get a hold of it if you're a big guy. And of course, Duncan did a lot more than than just that. I mean, he understood the game. He could facilitate with the ball in his hands because he knew how the offense was running. You know, he knew pacing. Uh, he could shoot facing up. I mean, again, Duncan's another guy I think would be shooting threes if he was playing in today's game. Almost certainly would be shooting threes. But I, I just found it interesting um, because, one, w- with Kobe getting in and, of course, um, w- what happened there, he's going to get the overwhelming share of the attention. He was already the most popular of those players, arguably the best of of those players, but he 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 you know is on another level of of emotion and attention now. Uh, of course, because of uh, of um, his unfortunate uh, and tragic death. So Duncan and Garnett, I think both deserve their moment in the sun as well. But given what Doc Rivers said. You know, Duncan, the, the most underrated superstar in NBA history. I, I, he said that the, the other night. I thought it was worth discussing Tim Duncan because I would say he's far more under-discussed than he is underrated. What do you think? Tim Duncan. Can we drive a Tim Duncan conversation? 855 Four two two seven. Let's go to Kyle in Boston. Kyle, you're on with Robin Ludberg here on CBS Sports Radio. Hey, how's it going? What's up? So, man? yeah, I got a little bit of a different um, opinion to tell you on Tim Duncan. I thought this way for a while. I kind of touched upon it. I think you know he's a little overrated, and the main part is he's the real most underrated player in NBA history. You brought him up is David Robinson, and um, I believe. He's the only player, along with Jordan, to win Finals MVP, regular season MVP, as well as Defensive Player of the Year, all three awards. And, I mean, you know, I think those three awards, it's just so difficult to win. Obviously, you know, we see it. Steph Curry's been playing for a Finals MVP for how many years? Never has it. You know, you see these guys like Andre Iguodala and, um, you know, these other kind of role players sometimes and secondary players sneak in with Finals MVP because it's so hard to not only be the best player during the regular season, but as well, lead your team to a championship and be the main kind of guy that during the finals. Um, and, you know, and then the other thing you talked about that's interesting is Tim Duncan's trajectory. You know, but, you know David fit. Robinson never won finals MVP, right? He didn't? No. <laughs> All right. It might have been scoring champion. He did. He did. He definitely won a sc- – look, I'm with you, David Robinson. David Robinson's, I, a, you know, I apologize. It might have been – 
He won the scoring title. He scored 71 okay. points in the final so, game of the season to beat Shaq so, for the scoring title so, that year. Okay, I apologize. That was 1994. I'll give, you a couple, I'll give you a couple David Robinson things real quick to make your point, but it just wasn't finals MVP. He was rookie of the year. He was MVP. He um, has a scoring title. He has a quadruple yeah. double. Uh, you know, defensive player of the year. Uh, yeah, was, so pl- plenty of things that, that go on was, David Robinson's resume. Some, yeah, there was some triple crown that only him and Jordan have completed. I'm not, I think it might be right. It might have been scoring champ, defensive player of the year, uh, regular season MVP. But anyways, on the Tim uh, Duncan trajectory as a Celtics fan, I mean, if you go back to that draft, who was the lottery team who was supposed to be get the number one pick that year? It was the Celtics. We had all the ping pong balls. And I remember as a Celtics fan, you know, it was like devastating because we had just gone through the um, Len Bias situation. We had just gone through the, um, uh, what's his name, Reggie Lewis situation. And then it was like the night hit on Duncan in the draft. I mean, it was, it was rough. And, well, you know, yeah, you're making the point, though, that Duncan I, – see, I don't think – you could easily say, and thanks for the call, that David Robinson is underrated without saying that Tim Duncan is overrated. Because, you know, David Robinson won a championship finally in his career in large part because Tim Duncan came around. And it helped Tim Duncan early in his career to have David Robinson around. You know, David Robinson was at the tail end of his prime at that point, And Duncan was obviously a rookie, um, but a more seasoned rookie because he wasn't like coming straight, you know, from high school uh, or, or that young uh, at that time when he came into the league, I think he was 21 years old uh, instead of like, you know, 18 or 19. But Duncan also adapted and evolved again and, and did it with, with David Robinson uh, and then did it with Ginobili and Parker. Now, again, you're fortunate to, to have all those players around you when you're Tim Duncan, but he's the consistent piece of that. Timmy, the consistent piece of it. 855 855-212-4227, 855-212-4227. Four two two seven. I'm I'm curious. Can we drive conversation on Tim Duncan? Because like I said, under discussed, not underrated. But Doc Rivers says most underrated superstar of all time. It's the Robin Ludberg Show here on CBS Sports Radio. He stayed up late and got up early. Here's Robin Lundberg. It is the Robin Lundberg Show here on CBS Sports Radio. You know, one of the other things about Tim Duncan that you really recognize his place in the game is think about LeBron James, young LeBron James with Tim Duncan grabbing him around his shoulders, whispering in his ear, telling him, you know, the league is going to be yours. Well, at that point, in some ways, the league was Duncan's. I don't think it was ever Duncan's in a sense of how he captured the imagination or, or the conversation. But he was a consistent presence and, and was hoisting up a lot of trophies <laughs> over the years. Is Tim Duncan underrated? I think he's more under-discussed than underrated. 855-212-4227. 855-212-4227. Let's go to Omar in Brooklyn. Omar, what's up, man? Who are you? Who am I? I'm Robin Lundberg. Who are you? Uh, I said, how are you? Uh, how are you? <laughs> yeah, so like I you called you uh, like uh, six weeks ago. In the uh-huh. second half of the season, said I'll guarantee the player for the Knicks. You said, "Oh, it's not a guarantee. They have a tough schedule." So, where we stand now, uh, mm-hmm. you think if the Knicks play Atlanta, do they win that series? 
Uh, I think that is a as close to a toss-up series as you can get. Let me say, first of all, I was wrong about the Knicks, um, as well as a lot of people were. But the Knicks, the gap between what the Knicks are and what I thought the Knicks would be is larger than for any team I can possibly remember. And they've had an incredible season. I think whether they win a playoff series or not is irrelevant. Their season is a success. Um, just in the fact that they've sort of erased the laugh out loud at the Knicks kind of joke, haha Knicks thing, right? Like it's, that's gone. Julius Randle's turned into what looks like maybe a franchise cornerstone for them. I'm still surprised at some of these fadeaway mid-range shots he's hitting. Uh, Derrick Rose is in, in a great phase of his career. R.J. Barrett's taking a step forward, especially with his outside shot. Uh, Tom Thibodeau, probably the coach of the year. You know, like a lot of good things about the Knicks. They play defense. They play together. And in a series with Atlanta, I think that's a series that could, you know, frankly, Omar, go either way. Okay. Uh, now I, I, I will say my prediction. Whatever happens, if Milwaukee, uh, I think in the East, Milwaukee is coming out of the East. Milwaukee in a seven-game series will beat Brooklyn Nets. But I think uh, for the uh, Knicks, as a fan of the Knicks, uh, I can be a little bit uh, uh, out of order. But I think that if they get fourth or fifth seed, they play Atlanta, I think they can beat Atlanta. And I can definitely see that Philadelphia goes into the sometime that uh, non-scoring mode and they can be uh, to have in a big series. So I think Knicks uh, uh, can go as far as Eastern Conference Finals if they go to that path. Atlanta and Philadelphia, that is the path to take. And then uh, I think they will uh, get Brooklyn or Milwaukee. I think Milwaukee is the best team. Milwaukee will go. They they will roll over their uh, playoff scenario. And I think tonight, Miami Heat, uh, Milwaukee, I want to see Milwaukee, not because of a Knicks fan, they beat Milwaukee last year. I don't want them in a prime time game. That oh, oh we, I don't, we don't want to face. And okay, let Miami be five seed, and we don't want to play. You have to prove that you are ready for the playoffs. Beat the Miami Heat. That you are not afraid of anybody before you go to the playoffs. Anybody can come in. We are ready for the playoffs, and we are going for a run. That's what Milwaukee has to show me. If they lay an egg and they don't play. Anybody that tells me they are scared of Miami and they are not going anywhere. Well, look, Miami's on a nice little run here, uh, and Omar, appreciate the call as always, man. Uh, they um, were in the finals last year, obviously, and did not have a good year for much uh, much of the season. And I was getting close to writing them off, but they are an interesting dark horse threat. I agree. Milwaukee's a very good team, top to bottom, with, with Drew Holiday there. The way that they can defend. I mean, Drew Holly is just terrific defensive player. Chris Middleton, uh, very good player. Obviously, Giannis is who he is. I uh, think Brooklyn is still the favorite to win the championship. In fact, I think people are are sleeping on the idea that Brooklyn might just run through the playoffs. Um, they're forty six and twenty four, and that's with the big three only playing seven games together. When James Harden has been in the lineup, they've been d- uh, dominant. So I. I, I I would uh, warn against just thinking some team's going to beat them. Uh, Spike in St. Petersburg. Spike, you're up next here on CBS Sports Radio. What's going on? Hey, my friend. A couple of statements. Um, Brooklyn, you're 100% correct. Uh, in all of my years of watching the NBA, I think that's probably the three greatest players in the history of the NBA assembled at their prime on one floor. 
by one team. You know, West Baylor and Chamberlain Baylor was old already, uh, way back ago, you know, long ago. But I'm mean, totally surprised. Right now, Tom Thibodeau, you know, I'm going for a cheap laugh here, so I'll preface it, is probably working on building a wall. You know, he's um, he's magnificent coach, and the team bought in, and they play with such alacrity and joy. It's 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 a pleasure as a Knicks fan. I mean, the turnaround, Robin. They've won more games in a short and ten games shorter schedule this year than they did in the previous two. That's more of a reflection on how poor they were. But no one expected this quantum leap. And Julius Randle, uh, statistically. First of all, he plays good defense, which I never saw him play before. Off-the-ball defense, very good. He's a great rebounder. The fadeaway, listen, every time he said it, I said no, and now I can't wait for him to take it. He's got that thing, uh, muscle memory down. But he's had the biggest statistical turnaround from 28% to 41% shooting the three. And I never saw a team, and I'm biased, obviously, you know that, very biased towards the Knicks. But they're first in three-point defense and second in three-point offense. Never remember a team like that. However, Brooklyn will walk right through this thing if they're all um, healthy. That's the that's the caveat, and I think you agree with me. I mean, listen, I, I think Milwaukee's the lesser of the three. I think Philly's better than um, Milwaukee, and I think. Um, well, the one Monday. thing I would say about that is I, I do wonder about Philly creating offense. Uh, you know, we haven't seen like since Jimmy Butler left there, they haven't necessarily had that guy who yep. can create. For himself, I mean, Embiid's a, a hell of an. He's unstoppable. Course, he's unstoppable. But, but he's got to be given the ball. You know, he's got to. He, he's not Correct. taking you off the the dribble from the perimeter. So I, right. I think that is could still be Philly's weakness. Now Curry being Seth Curry being there really opened right. things up for them. Danny Green opened things up for them. So that that has helped a little bit. But that would be my concern with Philly. I mean, I think you're you're spot on with the Knicks. I, you can't say anything bad about the Knicks. Nothing, nothing. Plummets. Totally, totally plummets. But don't down, downplay uh, another turnaround player this year. It's almost a 40, 50, 90 guy. It's Tobias Harris. You know, people just sleep on him. I'm not saying he's Jimmy Butler. Of course he's not. Jimmy Butler's a dog. But Tobias Harris plays very good defense. Philly is a sleeper team here because of Seth Curry, too. People don't know he's probably, I don't know what he's shooting, 43-44. Uh, they change coaches. Don't downplay that either. Brett Brown was what he was, and, and Doc is Doc, you know. It's a big difference. The playoffs this year, first of all, I'll leave you with this. I'd love to hear your comment on it. I'm enthralled with what they did with the expansion of the playoffs. I think this is, well, you know, we're NBA guys, but I think it's fascinating. I do. I, I don't, you know. Or, 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 yeah, you look, know. look, if they get Warriors-Lakers, I mean, they couldn't get a better result than that. Okay. And thanks for the call as always, Spike. Yeah, I mean, I, look, I think um, the the only downside is, I guess you could argue the regular season is devalued even more because so many teams are still in it. Um, but at the end of the regular season, the games get much more important. Games and seedings that are happening today and tomorrow. And the the fact that you get this, like, playoff appetizer. Yeah, I don't know how anybody could really be against it. You know why LeBron was frustrated about it, but that's a whole different story than, you know, from the outside looking in uh, about it. I think the play-in tournament um, is, is great. People are going to be excited for that. You're listening to The Robin Lundberg Show on CBS Sports Radio.
It is the Robin Lundberg Show here on CBS Sports Radio, as he just said. So redundancy. Uh, uh, apologize for that. <laughs> 855-212-4227, at Robin Lundberg on Twitter. We've talked a little bit about the NFL schedule release uh, in the, the show thus far. And to discuss that and other stories throughout the National Football League, I'm joined now by Tyler Dunn, founder of Go Long. And Tyler, you know, sometimes I poke fun at the hysteria around the NFL schedule release because um, – you sort of know what teams teams are going to play, right? The division opponents and, and the division that that they're going to play, you know, going in. You just didn't know the exact opponents or what days. And the, the season is so far away when it's typically released. But I don't know. It, it felt nice this year because I, I guess with, with this upcoming schedule, this is the first time since COVID started where I'll be going into a season – for the NFL or for a sporting event where I'm not, that's not really top of mind. Like our game's going to be canceled. Is it going to be played? All that stuff. It, it feels normal. It feels like, Oh, here's an NFL season. Let's go. That's true. Yeah. I mean, it's, it's nice for fans to be able to uh, put the, the opponents with the dates and schedule some trips. So that, that's pretty cool. I'm with you overall. Like it is pretty ridiculous that, you know, all the 24 seven news coverage you see around, stuff that we already know is happening. I don't know what's worse, you know, mock drafts or draft grades or schedule releases. They're all pretty terrible, but but you're right. You know what? We shouldn't be all negative Nancy. That's pretty cool to be back to normal. People can go to games. That's great. The one thing that was a little hysterical is the Patriots-Buccaneers game because uh, for, I'll get your thoughts on that in a second, but the, the first thing about it to me is the, the gravitas that people are, are trying to attach to that game. Um, I, I don't know, or not gra- the gravity, I guess you, you would, that people are trying to attach to that game. Um, I, I don't know if that game has much meaning. Like, once Tom Brady went out and won that Super Bowl, I mean, even even still, it would just be a regular season game. But once Tom Brady won that Super Bowl with Tampa, is, is there anything actually on the line when the Buccaneers are playing the Patriots other than a win or a loss? It's going to be strange because I think all the – if there is pressure, you know, surrounding a regular season game. It's all on Belichick and the Patriots. I mean, you're right. Tom Brady doesn't have anything to prove. He just just kind of parachuted into this random football team that hasn't really won anything in a long time and won a Super Bowl. So he clearly was in the right and clearly was the driving force behind those Super Bowls. So I think it's on the Patriots, and it's going to be really interesting because I could be wrong. I feel like a lot of Patriots fans still love Tom Brady, love Rob Gronkowski, and if he's throwing a touchdown to Gronk and Gronk is spiking it and the Bucks are rolling, like, what is the reaction going to be? It's not like Brett Favre, you know, going back to Lambeau as a Viking and everybody booing the hell out of him. It's going to be a weird, weird atmosphere. Yeah, I mean, and I got to imagine it's, it's tough to hate a guy when, when you've won that much with him. And it didn't exactly, like, devolve in, in, in an ugly way. I mean, you sort of hinted at it with Favre. It, it sort of was a an amicable divorce almost. Right, right, exactly. It was, you know, Favre wanted back in, and they said no, and then he said, all right, F you, I'm going to go to your rival and beat you. So, And they had, the fans had kind of embraced Aaron Rodgers at that point. I mean, my God, we can get into that. That's a whole other story. But it's just, yeah, I think the you know, fans are smart. Like, they can see how things kind of shake down and they kind of know what happened in New England. Tom Brady, hey, he probably would have loved to have been the quarterback there for a long, long time if the Patriots just fully embraced him. Um, but yeah, they didn't. So he went to Tampa Bay, won a Super Bowl, and 
I, I can see it here uh, with, with Green Bay, man. Like, you know, the fans are, even though most of the, the media locally, nationally, is that the chorus is how stupid Brian Gutekunst and the Packers are. How could you do this to Aaron Rodgers? Oh, my God, no weapons and to treat him like this. And I can, like, fans can see through that. They see that, like, he's under contract for three more years. They want to make him the richest player in the league. They want him to be the quarterback. And as long as Aaron Rodgers is the quarterback and playing well, it's his job to lose. I mean, it's not like they're forcing him out by any stretch of the imagination. They want him for a long time. So, um yeah, I think I think the fans kind of see that for what it is, and and are a little like, all right, man, what what the hell, <laughs> what's going on here? Yeah, I'll get more into the Aaron Rodgers thing in just a second, but real quick, circling back to the other game, you mentioned sure. Belichick, and I and I think you're correct on the pressure on Belichick. What do you think is a reasonable expectation for what Bill Belichick and the Patriots should achieve this season? Like, what do you think would mark a success for him? I think winning the division. I mean, they won what, seven games with everybody on COVID and, you know, Cam Newton with broken down throwing eight touchdowns and they lost two games on a fumble at the end, I think, to Buffalo and to Seattle. Like, they, they overachieved last year. They, they really did with what they had out there. So you go out there and you just sign players left and right, Hunter Henry and John U. Smith and, um, God, I mean, everybody. Matt Judon, I mean, they signed really blue chippers on both sides of the ball I don't think anybody really saw that coming out of Bill Belichick, but they have just a huge influx of talent. We'll see what happens at quarterback with Cam Newton or Mac Jones, but that's obviously a huge question here. But I think that their expectation, it has to be the win the division. If they were able to get what they got out of that talent or lack of last season to bring in all these guys and, and pick your quarterback, he's going to see the field sooner or later. That's, you know, I, I wouldn't think Mac Jones is going to sit all year. I think your expectation is, is absolutely win the division. Robin Lundberg talking to Tyler Dunn, founder of Go Long here on CBS Sports Radio. Now, going back to the, the Rodgers situation, what do you, you know, what's the, the, the read, do you think, from the fan base right now? How are they, they feeling about that? Because you, you mentioned seeing through certain aspects of it. Obviously, there's a personal issue here, I think, more than a personnel issue because the idea that the, the Packers don't have talent it just isn't correct, right? I mean, no weapons. Devontae Adams is a weapon. Uh, running game is a weapon, right? So protection in his, in itself is is a weapon. He's got that. The defense picked Tom Brady three times in the NFC Championship game. I mean, the the Packers, you could put him in pen to win that division if you know Aaron Rodgers is back. So I, I can't think it's, it's, it's the talent uh, around Rodgers, really. How do you think that the fans feel about Aaron Rodgers – given where we're at in this soap opera right now? You know, I think there are, there are some who just believe you should do everything in your power to, to make sure he's your quarterback, give him whatever he wants, and, and, move, and just hang on to him and clutch to him for dear life until he wants to walk away. And, I mean, I, I think the majority, though, they see it for what it is, like you just laid out. If it was about winning, he'd stay in Green Bay. Like, you're not going to go to a better situation than what you have in Green Bay when you're, you're not even touched. I mean, he was sacked half the time as uh, Russell Wilson, Deshaun Watson, and, and Carson, Carson Wentz, three other guys that have wanted out. Like, he has all day back there with the best line in football. Maybe he has the best wide receiver in football, a top three running back, this 250-pound running back that has 7% body fat and A.J. Dillon behind him who's going to set the league on fire. I mean, this guy is he's a unicorn. He, he's going to be unreal, I think. And, and Marquez Valdez-Scanlon, 
led the NFL in yards per reception. That seems like a pretty good number two, number three receiver. Alan Lazard, you know, one of the best blocking receivers. I mean, you you go back and watch some of their biggest plays last year. Those guys like Lazard and MVS downfield laying guys out. I mean, that matters too. I, I just don't get it. So it's not about the winning. It's clearly not about the money. I mean, there's multiple reports now that they're willing to make him the richest quarterback in the league. It's about principle in Aaron Rodgers' mind. It's about personnel control and having a say and, and him being picked off that they drafted Jordan Love. And, and he, he just I guess he can't operate with a, a young quarterback behind him. Um, I don't know. I mean, it's, it's clear. It's either that or he just wants the hell out of Green Bay and, and it's bigger than football. But, like, I don't know why he'd be worried or scared, you know, with Jordan Love there. Like, it's, the ball is literally in his court, in his hands. As long as he plays well, anywhere remotely close to that 2020 level, the Packers want him to be the quarterback. Like, he can force their hand in a year or two and force them to just dump love for a second or third round pick, whatever. Like, I, I don't get it. And, and, you know, I just, I also don't get like the kind of like the public fawning. It was weird to see the head coach yesterday say, we want him back in the worst way. I mean, at some point the Packers will have to be decisive and make a decision for the betterment of the team. I mean, I can't imagine you want this hanging over your head into the training camp. It would be, I mean, it would be poison for your locker room. Well, that's an ego thing, right? I mean, LaFleur saying we went back in the worst way is like a, a public overture. We do care about you. We do value you because it seems <laughs> to me that like, you know, that with, with Aaron Rodgers, one, the, the idea that Jordan Love was drafted was just a, a slap across the face in his mind. And then two, maybe when it does come to this contract negotiation, it's not just about the, the, the money, but the, the commitment. You know, when whenever they have to make the, the mm-hmm. decision on Jordan Love's next deal, you know, uh, why are you not saying that Aaron Rodgers, you are our quarterback in, in, in perpetuity? That's probably what it is. I mean, he probably, unless he flat out just wants Brian Gutekunst fired, which, I mean, there is a report that that's what he wants. I would think what he's looking for is for Gutekunst and Green Bay to completely give up on Jordan Love, right, and, and structure his contract, Aaron Rodgers' contract, in a way that, that makes that the case, that makes that sure that he, he is the quarterback for, I don't know, what, three, four, five years or until he dang well pleases, which would then render Jordan Love a, a, a bust of a pick. I mean, that's probably what he's looking for. We have to speculate because he hasn't talked. I mean, it'd be great for him to come out and, and say what he really believes, but, I mean, it's it's been anonymous sourcing and, and kind of messaging through surrogates and that kind of stuff, so we're, we're piecing it all together here. But I think that's what the case is. And if I'm Brian Gutekunst, if I'm Green Bay, I mean, you've got to look out for the team. You've got to look out for the long-term health of the franchise. I can't imagine them just throwing everything away for one player as good as that player is. Um, and, I mean, and then there's all the other stuff. Like, he was upset about Jordy Nelson getting let go. I think he had one bad season with the Raiders, and he was done. Jake Kumro had one catch after they caught him. He was upset about that. So it's like, just because you're really good at football doesn't make you a really good GM. Ask the Charlotte Bobcat slash Hornets. Yeah, uh, well, that's not the only Michael Jordan, Aaron Rodgers comparison, right? Didn't he say uh, that uh, the GM was Jerry Krause? Which, by the way, is not as much of a diss as people make it out to be because Jerry Krause, I know he was the villain of the last dance and everything or the antagonist, but he was pretty damn good at his job. You could argue whether or not he should have broken things up or crossed Michael Jordan, but you can't really argue that he didn't put the talent around Michael Jordan. I 
know. He did a great job. I mean, I thought that was kind of BS how they portrayed him. I mean, the guy is gone. He's not with us anymore. And they're just kind of like raking him through the coal. Like, he did a really good job as general manager, made tough decisions. And was he a little strange and, you know, have a huge ego and the little man syndrome and all that kind of stuff with the Napoleon complex? Probably. Probably had all that. But he did a really good job. So, yeah, that was kind of unfair. And, I, I mean, obviously Rodgers is just mocking his own boss. It's the way that Jordan mocked Jerry Krause. I mean, I checked in with the player, and he's like, oh, my gosh. Yes, that was absolutely true. And there was way more than that that people don't even realize. Wow, a lot going on behind the scenes in Green Bay, and I'm sure this is going to be going on, of course, uh, all season long, or all off-season long. You hope not all season long if you're the Packers. Tyler Dunn, founder of Go Long, golongtd.com. Appreciate your time today. Thanks for joining me, and enjoy the rest of your weekend. Thank you so much, man. That was fun. Appreciate you. Robert Ludberg Show here on CBS Sports Radio, 855-212-4. Two two seven. If you want to get in, you can talk about Aaron Rodgers. We talked about that. Uh, we talked about the schedule release in the NFL. The possibility, or not the possibility, the now certainty of Belichick uh, facing Brady with the, the fate of human existence on the line at 855-212-4227. The Preakness today and whatever's gone on with Medina Spirit, the horse, and, and the, the seedy underbelly of horse racing, to be honest, I'm not really sure why it's still a thing. Uh, The Basketball Hall of Fame class. Is Tim Duncan underrated? Doc Rivers called him the most underrated superstar of all time. 855-212-4227. Coming up, though, I'll tell you, not about people who are underrated nor underpaid. Who do you think the most highly paid athlete of 2021 is at this point? The answer might surprise you a little bit. I mean, not like shocking, but I would say surprising. Not the the first name I believe you would think of when you're talking highest paid athletes. I'll tell you the, the highest paid athlete of 21, uh, 2021. That is the year thus far is coming up next. 855-212-4227. It is the Robin Lundberg Show here on CBS Sports Radio. This episode is brought to you by Progressive Insurance. Whether you love true crime or comedy, celebrity interviews or news, you call the shots on what's in your podcast queue. And guess what? Now you can call them on your auto insurance too with the Name Your Price tool from Progressive. It works just the way it sounds. You tell Progressive how much you want to pay for car insurance and they'll show you coverage options that fit your budget. Get your quote today at Progressive.com to join the over 28 million drivers who trust Progressive. Progressive Casualty Insurance Company and Affiliates. Price and coverage match limited by state law. Okay, picture this. It's Friday afternoon when a thought hits you. I can waste another weekend doing the same old whatever, or I can conquer it. I can hop into my all-new Hyundai Santa Fe and hit the road. Any road, the steeper the better. Because my all-new Santa Fe is available with H-Track all-wheel drive, so I can hit the trail without a worry in the world. Heck, with three rows and best-in-class rear cargo space, I can pack the whole family in with all our gear. We've got available dual wireless charging for our phones, so we'll never lose touch with civilization, and we won't lose touch with the primordial power of Mother Earth. So which is it? Waste the weekend or do something a little more epic? And conquer it 
in the all-new Hyundai Santa Fe. Visit HyundaiUSA.com or call 562-314-4603 for more details. Hyundai, there's joy in every journey.